Welcome to Impossible Podcasts, as we discuss the return of Torchwood in Miracle Day. I'm Kara Woodbridge. I'm P.G. Bell. And I'm Swindon Dobson. We'll be starting our commentary on episode one, The New World, in just a moment. But first, let's just get some introductory thoughts from Peter and Swindon. What did, what did you think? Um, I didn't think it was quite quite as tightly wound as the opening episode of Children of Earth, the previous series of Torchwood. But I was still suitably impressed. I'll definitely be tuning in next week. Uh, I still suffer from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder following the first two series of Torchwood. I'm never quite sure whether it's going to be up to the standard of Children of Earth or just appallingly bad. Um, I'm, I'm, I was on tenterhooks all the way through it, waiting for it to suddenly nosedive into the ground. What's the best thing Chris Chibnall is actually the big enemy in the, in the series. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Chibnall is the big bad. I, I, could, I, could, I could like that, actually. Apparently he did help um, in the planning of it. Really? Uh, yeah. Russell C. Davies mentioned in an interview that Chris Chibnall's always the one who gets left out in interviews. <laughs> I wonder whether Make that's that what you will. <laughs> yeah. um, but he said, uh, oh yes, credit where credit's due, he helped with the plotting of Oh, right, of okay. Yeah, really. So um, for everyone. Uh, yeah, it, it felt distinctly, like, distinctly American, which was quite refreshing. It felt like quite a natural shift for Torchwood. It did feel that it was growing up in terms of scope, in terms of budget, certainly. Um, so, but yeah, it, it was, uh, I, I, I like the fact that it didn't start with the Torchwood cast. It started with its own characters. It's definitely its own thing. Um, mm-hmm. but no, I enjoyed it. Um, I liked elements of it. Um, I, I think the best way to describe, describe the first episode is uneven, uh, to some extent. Um, obviously it's always a great problem when you're starting a quite a long series, mm. um, and you're going to have multiple thread lines and so, you really have to start with all of them in the first episode to get yeah. it established, which is always going to be a problem. Uh, there, there were some somewhat ropey moments, which we'll certainly come to. Mm. Um, but I like the general concept. Yeah. Uh, I like, like the big concept thing. This is what it's about. It's basically uh, people are dying, and they should do, and they're kind of living dead. Quasi-zombieing, really. Mm. Um, and th- th- there's, there's some decent mileage in that. Um... Yeah, some of the characters were better than others. Some of them were somewhat bland to begin with, but they've got time, so it's... Yeah. I I I think if I was to do anything like this, this would be one of the more difficult ones to write if you've got a multi-strand story to make it interesting from the beginning, Mm. apart from your major plotline to Mm. thread everything together. Yeah, I thought it was certainly a very promising start. Uh, You do have the whole challenge of... Um, yes, getting the uh, different threads going, and it did feel like it's very much uh, setting the scene, introducing the characters, moving things into place, getting people into the right country. <laughs> yes. um, uh, so uh, it it did um, does have a lot to do, but uh, I think uh, it works um, quite well. It, it, there are some uncertainties of tone, which I'm sure we'll 
come to, mm. uh, but um, I think uh, it, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's off it's off it's off to a, a promising start. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get uh, started with the commentary. If you're listening along at home, press play now. So we begin with Oswald Staines, yes. the paedophile character. And it opens with his biggest star as well. Um, mm. Bill P- Pullman was quite a coup, I, I think. Although Swiffin and I hadn't heard. Yes, yeah, so I, I was amazed to find I was the only person who had actually heard of Bill Pullman. But then we read his IMDb list and we realised why. Oh, come on. Independence Day was a huge film. Uh, it, well, it's, I, I think Swiffin's referring to the fact that he doesn't watch many uh, romantic comedies and there's quite a few of those on uh, Bill Pullman's resume. Sleepless in Seattle... While you while you're sleeping, was that one of his mm. as well? Mm. It was also in Lake Placid, which yes. But it was it was a very odd um, having grown up here in the, in the nineties, seeing Bill Pullman as the fresh-faced young sort of kindly father figure. Um, I was amazed that he'd just got old enough to play the creepy old paedophile, <laughs> but which he did brilliantly. He seems to he really does excel in this. He's uh, one of the strongest characters by far. I, I love the beginning of it. It's like, we're obviously not Doctor Who, because in the first minute, we have a paedophile rapist murderer yes. at the beginning. But that's all the stronger for it, because I think, certainly for the first two series, Torture didn't stray far enough from the Doctor Who mould. This is the... Well, yeah, they tried to, but in a wrong way. it seemed that it was afraid to leave its comfort zone, but it's... Uh, no, it's mm. definitely, it's, and it's a distinctly American scene because this is the sort of thing that wouldn't happen in a British drama because, of course, we haven't executed anyone since the mid sixties. Yeah. I, I was thinking though, the chair would have been a bit more spectacular as an opening scene, mm. but they don't do that many but, places these days. No, no, I think the Florida and one or two other states, perhaps. That, uh, but this was a be disturbing opening. Yes, really. Mm. I did quite like that. It's like. Ah. Mm. Yeah, and uh, one of the things being carried over from uh, Children of Earth is the whole uh, high-concept serial format. Um, And here we've got Rex and what's the... What's her name? <laughs> the blonde one. Uh, yes, I just knew her as blonde CIA girl. Um, <laughs> she obviously made a big impression on us all. Yeah. I was a little surprised because Rex Matheson was being talked up. I didn't even know his surname. Uh, he was being talked up you know, right from the get-go as the main character and he was going to be the focus. And uh, he really has very little to do in this episode, and the onus is all on her. She does the investigation, we s- mm. she has most of the character development. He spends most of his time flat on his back in a hotel room. And it's nice to see that they're building Torchwood up as a, as a mystery, as a slightly mm. ominous um, presence that's... Uh, just conspicuous by its absence. Mm. They are teasing us with Torchwood at this point. Yes. Because that's probably going in with the... It's obviously very more American 
something with saying earlier with the format and so bringing it in as its own series and mm. and killing somebody quite early on yes or well, well, seemingly so killing one of the main characters well it's two characters that yeah. they kill one every time I've seen scenes every time I've seen the impaling sequence I always think of the omen and here we yeah. have <laughs> Gwen Cooper Eve Miles uh, waking up suddenly <laughs> waking up uh, nightmare torchwood yes uh, I was remembering the sex gas episode <laughs> yes we all tend, jokes here. yes we all still wake up in cold sweats remembering the first couple of series of torchwood <laughs> for, for a moment there though I thought oh is she dreaming some of this and it's going to play out slightly differently and I was wrong no um it's me talking yeah. looking like ER on this title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you just saw the title sequence and had no idea what you were watching, you could be forgiven for thinking it was a medical drama. I like the camera work in these scenes, because, I mean, a main character being wheeled along on a gurney is, you know, par for the course in so many dramas now, but just these slightly off-kilter angles and the close-ups mm. on the face yeah. lying down just keeps it fresh and keeps it moving makes it feel that little bit uh, less comfortable. That's a good point. I, I haven't picked that up. Um, also happens to help has something stuck in him. Yes. Which is, which is a nice reference point. And here we have whales with sort of Celtic-y sounding music. Yes. This is, uh, which, do we know which bit of whales this is? It's somewhere on well, the west coast or the um, southwest coast? Uh, this bit here is Rasili Bay. And I find it quite amusing that they build it up as, oh, they're hiding out in the middle of nowhere, no one knows where it is, it's so remote, and so on, when this bay is, in fact, an incredibly popular tourist attraction. Mm. Uh, it's a very very well-known Welsh uh, beach, and uh, it's I've been there um, many times on uh, trips down there, uh, and... Uh, yes, it can be be quite busy. They they filmed um, Doctor Who uh, their new Earth uh, opening episode of series two, so you can see the same oh, bay I with see. the CGI hospital dumped on top of it. Oh, um, but uh, but yes, uh, don't let that <laughs> yeah. distract you. I suppose it's not too dissimilar from deciding that a uh, uh, waterfront yuppie development is the ideal location for your secret underground alien fighting base and baby Amwen is very sweet bit of a mm. scene scene stealer especially later on yes star is important what do we reckon to the um, kind of these sequences in the uh, remote uh, I, I think well just the family sequences with uh, mm-hmm. Gwen and Reese. I do like this the interplay between the two adult actors is very good I think the dialogue labours you know, the tortured past of Gwen and her involvement with Torchwood a little bit too much at times. But this scene with the guns, very nice. Why I, they couldn't just have a spy hole in the door, I don't know. <laughs> or, you know, just look out the window and see who's there. <laughs> I, I was expecting it to be the postman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they can't be completely you know, unused to having people knock on the door. No. <laughs> but, uh, no, because I, I, I was thinking some of the whole Torchwood past stuff was just like, come on, we know it, was, it wasn't great. Yeah. Shut up. She didn't seem that traumatised by it all at, at, the, time, at the end no, of no. Yeah, series three. It just seems somewhat laboured. Although, 
you could make the case that you know it's clearly now more American focused trying to get that clear yes. package from I'm, you are having to introduce the yeah. concepts and the story to a whole new audience are you? and I, mm. to be fair I think they do achieve that very very well uh, and again we're seeing if, if you think back to Children of Earth the opening scene was with Gwen and it was straight into torture and it was straight into we are an alien fighting secret organisation whereas now they're very much on the on the back burner did we think those walkers meant anything by their look together? I was put off slightly by it. I was like, are they, do they know something more than... Potentially. I don't know, it was just that look that they gave yeah. each other. Mm. It looked a bit like, hmm, that wasn't... They were the undercover agents. Mm. We know that uh, someone is trying to push Torchwood back into the limelight and it's not Jack and it's not Gwen so somebody's obviously poking their nose into things it's the Anto from beyond the grave <laughs> zombie Anto <laughs> oh. there's an action figure waiting to happen <laughs> James would buy it <laughs> this is true so we'd qu- <laughs> so so an awful lot of people quite, yeah some of the Anto fans are a bit scary if you're listening please don't write in and complain no please don't fireball my hand <laughs> Uh, the not at all disturbing shrine uh, <laughs> is still there in the bay. Yes. And we've got this doctor character. Oh, I ought to have looked at the list yes. of names before. <laughs> Lady Doctor. Brunette. We have blonde and brunette in this sequence. That's what we have so far. But anyway, <laughs> continue. But she's more convincing as a doctor than wee blonde girl is as a CIA yeah, agent. I don't true. think... But then I suppose it's... At the risk of sounding a little bit uh, sexist, it's having two hard-bitten sort of female characters of the same age investigating the same thing in the same series. Yeah. Well, you do need to be able to differentiate between them. And, uh, yeah, I'm assuming that blonde CIA agent is effectively filling the shoes... Gwen's shoes when she started in torture. She's yeah. supposed to be the innocent, the outsider uh, who's discovering you know, the darker side of humanity through investigating what's going on. Yes, that's certainly uh, it's very similar, and especially later on when she meets Captain Jack and gets retconned. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that bit. The standard Russell T. Davis newscaster montage. <laughs> yeah. yeah no it? Trinity Wells this time. No. Oh, what was there not? Ah. This is a good uh, scene with Oswald Danes being all creepy and. Yes, and running rings around the legal system already. <laughs> yeah. Did mm. like a nice shot there. Now, is this. Episode entirely written by uh, Russell T. Davis. Yes, I think so. He's, he's, he's a sole creditor. Solely okay. creditor. Because he's working quite closely with... Um, oh, her name's... Jane Espenson. Uh, Jane Espenson, thank you. Uh, who's yeah, obviously a very big genre writer for American television, having worked on Firefly, um, works quite prominently on Battlestar Galactica, and the showrunner for Caprica. Uh, another show's mm. ended before its time. So I was very excited to hear that she was working on Torchwood. Yeah, um, apparently it's a sort of hybrid writer's room 
uh, system, apparently. Oh, so right. they had a sort of American-style writer's room mm-hmm. that they've given them more freedom to go off and uh, work on the scripts themselves than you generally get in American television. Okay. So, so sort of a blending of the British and the American yeah. system. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. It's also interesting that uh, this is Rusty Davis's first project since leaving BBC Wales and the UK. Mm. I wouldn't have thought his his first choice, having moved to Los Angeles, would be to you know, do another series of his Cardiff-based mm. alien sci-fi drama. Um, well, he has now um, this sub- news going round about... Oh, what's it called? It's got Cucumber in the title or something. That uh, uh, a comedy about gay, gay men uh, is right. his Branching next, out, ne- next thing in the pipeline. Okay. For, I think for Showcase or something like that. Oh, right. Because oh, they were the network that did the American queries. Yes. Both, aren't they? Right. Yeah. So... Um, but, um, yeah, I, in interviews he's talked about... Uh, well, while while there's the interest to sort of make hay while the sun shines, mm. as it were, with Torchwood. So. If you think of Moffat's connections in Hollywood, you know, he was the lead writer on the script for the new Tintin movie, mm. so he was working with yeah. Spielberg, with Peter Jackson, and all, you know, all these great figures. And, of course, Rusty Davis, who by the time he left Doctor Who, was yeah, the best-known television writer and producer in... Uh, the UK. I had expected him to start well not bigger because this is obviously a big series but uh, in a slightly different field. Hmm. Nice that Torchwood is not getting you know uh, still not front and centre of the storyline. Everyone's trying to figure out Miracle Day and Torchwood Mm -hmm. is almost a subplot at this point. This is pitching itself quite squarely as an American um, espionage thriller with a slightly sort of unusual twist, isn't it? It reminds me to some extent of Flash Forward, if you saw any of that. Yes, yeah, it's not too dissimilar. That's a very good point. Um, with the um, montage sequence for the whole of the rest of the series, it seems even more so. Mm. We'll get to that later. But definitely in tone and kind of the style of characters and things they're using seems very much in that mould. It's interesting that in the same way that they handled um, all of the children in the world (coughs) stopping in Children of Earth a couple of years ago, they've managed to introduce what is a very big and very bizarre concept very neatly and very simply. Mm. And again, the montage of news clips, which, as we've already said, is a Rusty Davis standard that is being used very, very well here. Hmm. Oh, but it, it is a big concept, although it, it's quite a simple one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at that. But just getting the plurality of views, and this, this nurse here in particular, <laughs> refusing to have anything to do with these people. I, did, I and think this, this is quite funny. And Rex obviously starting to freak out because he doesn't know which side of the line he he's supposed to fall on. Yeah. It's done very well. 
Because one of the problems that I always had with the first two series of Torchwood was that it felt very provincial. I, I thought it should have had a slightly broader scope. Um, not necessarily internationally, but just mm-hmm. in terms of Torchwood was supposed to be a nationwide, and at the time, an empire-wide organisation with roots and yeah, researchers mm-hmm. all over the place. And it was just you know, four or five people sitting in the basement in Cardiff. And ho-hum, aliens have invaded Cardiff again. Yeah, and they the rift in space and time. Yeah, they really started to um, scrape the barrel with their excuses to have aliens turn up in Cardiff Bay every week. Um, and it felt as if it should be bigger, as if it should be grander. And they really hit the nail on the head quite nicely with Children of Earth, and they went nationwide. Mm. And now they've gone international, um, but with an American focus. And it feels like a natural fit. Yeah. It doesn't jar at all. And obviously you've got to have the worldwide epidemic, inverted commas, mm. in the same way as Children of Earth was the same. Mm. Is but, the but, it is, but whereas the, the epi- worldwide epidemic in Children of Earth was seen very much from a British point yeah. of view, now it's seen from, uh, from our point of view, from an international perspective. Um, but from an American. From an American perspective. Interestingly, this happens in the same year that uh, Doctor Who set off on a great American adventure. At the start oh, of the series, yeah. <laughs> yes, there's that courting of the American audience. Mm. Uh, Rather more successfully here, though, I think. Well, it's 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 two very different um, approaches, mm. but it feels less gimmicky here. It feels <laughs> less like it's trying to showcase the American landscape as part of its story. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. Um, in Doctor Who, it, it is also much more America from a British perspective, yes, whereas here sure. you tend, it tends to be the British stuff is being put in an American perspective. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we haven't seen any of the modern bits of Cardiff yet. It's a very sort of quite old-looking, run-down back street, and the only mm. bit of Wales we've seen is a sort of pre-Victorian cottage in rolling Celtic landscapes. So... Which, which you know, is all true yeah. and all that exists, but it's not the image of Cardiff or of Wales that Torchwood has traditionally put across, is it? So if, if this were Torchwood a couple of years ago, this would be filmed in the, in the uh, National Museum of Wales. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking that, I was like... Do I recognise this? No, no, it's filmed in America, it's not in Wales. Cardiff University's Glamorgan building. <laughs> Yeah, so it's Esther. Esther. Ah, that was it. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Esther. And doing some snooping in the archives. And they do generally like archives. I've been in them and they are that boring. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they've not filed them properly. And that's just horrific. Those are all you archivists out there really known. But I mean, this. I mean, this riffs on Indiana Jones, James Bond, and 101 other sort of classic movie and TV yeah. sequences in which yeah, someone has to go in and find the one crucial piece of evidence amongst all these dusty old shelves, and then somebody turns up with a, <laughs> a gun and an agenda to try and stop them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, the references we get to the four, five, six. Yeah, and the aliens from Julian. How that... That's not explained, but it becomes a sort of it's code the, word for aliens. Which makes it quite nicely. 
So we've got one of our big reveals coming up. Yeah, Esther at this point is very much being used as driving the plot. Yes, yeah, she's she's very much the audience way in, isn't she? She's mm. the one who doesn't know what's going on. She's got the questions. She's yeah, she's predominantly just there to keep the wheels turning. And here's the pillars of fire. More back references. <laughs> I, I like that there's a floppy disk in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, really it's retro. Be, uh, it, it, it wasn't that long ago, um, children of Earth. I'm sure they were using USB sticks by then. And isn't that a publicity shot from the Doctor Dances? I believe so. It's definitely yeah. from from one of the two. Mm. Yes. Um, but this is a nice itself. reveal. Captain Jack. Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> and off she runs. <laughs> nice little bit of running. Yeah. Sort of yeah. I, I think that's a very good reveal of uh, Captain Jack. Yeah, that was it was a nice way. Considering so, this is the first we've seen of him, well, in Torchwood, at least since he teleported off into the Great Black Yonder. Oh, and someone else is dead. Ish. Yeah. Why are people still trying to kill each other? Yeah, this is the this is where first point of complete incongruity took place. They Why is he coming in to shoot this person? They know it's not going to stick. Well. I don't know. I, I... <laughs> uh, this was just hilarious. <laughs> it's like, really? I, I, I guess you might take, um, considering it's only been sort of a few hours, um, uh, you might the take shift. a bit... bit yeah, the, the shift in thinking hasn't quite kicked in. But I did like this. The, of the action sequences, I think this is probably their most successful. We're setting the bar very high. <laughs> the, the stuff afterwards was nice, but it, it just seemed a little contrived to get them to to do the the, the scene we actually wanted to see, which we just saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that's that's the way I, I felt about that because it didn't seem to be that much reason for that to take place. There's only one. I suppose you want to blow it up because there's that one file, but. Hmm. Yes. Now, I, I was a little confused that having retconned all of her memories in this scene, so that she mm-hmm. doesn't remember this and that and the other, she simply handed another file by somebody mm-hmm. else with all the same stuff in it. That, yeah, did make all of this bit rather redundant. I was thinking it says retcon. She's not retconned me. It's like, retroactive continuity! Oh, yes, Who doesn't yeah. know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when the face. You visited online jo- forums. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, uh, why does Captain Jack bother doing the whole exposition routine if he's going to wipe her memory anyway? Well, turning those plot wheels. I suppose he's got to make small talk in order to com- yeah. get her to take the drink in oh, the first place. And he has his cut on his yeah, arm. Cut on the arm. Yeah. yeah. So, at the same time as everyone else becomes immortal, Captain Jack loses his. Or, is it that he... Because he comes back if he dies, 
but if he can't actually die, then his immortality can't kick in. Yes. Well, the, the rules oh, for Captain yeah. Jack's immortality seem to change they, occasionally yeah, depending it's on not the necessity of the plot. Yeah. yeah. I hope that's true, and I hope it's not something revolving around Jack, because that'd be annoying. Mm. Well, see, one, one of the things that impressed me and surprised me um, with this episode is that Captain Jack clearly isn't the focus. Mm. He's a secondary character, along with Gwen at the moment. Mm. Um, which is good, because and I know I'm sticking my neck out here, and please don't kill me, torture fans. John Barrowman, and I like John Barrowman, but he's a performer first and an actor second. I never... He never really convinced me as a leading man. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think he worked excellently in uh, Doctor Who with Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper as a foil to the Doctor. Yes. Uh, as a supporting character, he's great. I'm not sure it really um, worked to make him the main lead in Torchwood in the way, or at least not in the way that he did, that he was the one running Torchwood. Mm. I think if he was more the rogue, he works better as the sort of roguish outsider. Yes. Uh, and That's true. I mean, for a start, I think trying to make him a substitute Doctor, which they did in the first couple of series of Torture, was a mistake. Um, but secondly, just from an acting point of view, John Barrowman plays John Barrowman to perfection, <laughs> and that's great. And if all you want is John Barrowman to walk in and be charming and be roguish and be slightly sly and you know, have a fist fight, brilliant. If you want, want him to do more than that, he starts to struggle because he's, as an actor, he's very much from the Joey Triviani sniff the fart school of acting. Um, so, tortured, <laughs> new, <laughs> yeah, so tortured nuance and subtlety aren't really his strengths. Although, to be fair, I do think he has been improving year on year, and mm. he was good in Children of Earth. Um, but again, sort of struggled with the weightier bits and pieces. Um, but he's good here. He's good here. But he's deliberately calm and measured and reserved, but then just charming and roguish when he needs to be, which is fantastic. This, this is a, um interestingly gruesome scene. With the it is. This, this almost goes back to, I don't know if either of you have seen George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. There's a very similar scene in which there is the um, military scientist is experimenting on the zombies to see um, how far the body is actually required for the zombie to maintain consciousness. Or maintain its, its undeath. Yeah, there, there is something quite zombie movie about, uh, about this. Mm. And it has shadows of uh, Jack coming back to life in the British military cell in Children of Earth after mm. he's been blown up. Hence the head comment. Yes. <laughs> Which we'll go on to in a second. But it lays out very... Gruesome as it is, and it really is gruesome, it does lay out very neatly just the moral and practical dilemmas that the world is now suddenly mm. faced with. And, I mean, it's interesting just because it is raising questions of medical ethics which are very current uh, just because uh, with the successes in modern medicine it is possible to uh, we're a lot better at keeping people alive yes. but 
uh, often in um, sort of the life supports the uh, the pain that goes with that people are kept alive in much more painful circumstances mm, than they would have yes. been we're not necessarily better at improving at prolonging the quality of life yeah and uh, with um, in the industrialised west sort of diseases and things uh, we've largely overcome perhaps I mean not cancer but uh, sort of uh, people don't die of stuff like smallpox or uh, mm. TB very often um, but uh, it's been said we're entering the rather than the age of disease the age of decay and that's the next challenge mm. that we face is uh, interestingly the whole concept of this story is played out in, a, in Mordred Undead to some extent oh yes uh, Doctor Who connection uh, yeah the main character in that who's prolonged his life tries to become a time lord and it went a bit wrong uh, <laughs> that's the setup. I'll let you watch it it's quite good as well with Pete mm. Davidson it's, it, it's, it's a very common trope I mean <clears throat> you get it another example at the moment uh, Harry Potter and Voldemort just trying to live forever is a really bad idea yeah. and here we are back in Cardiff now, he's not the Yanto no, it's not. No, no, it's not the Yanto Shrine. I thought it was. When I saw it, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh no, it's the Yanto Shrine. The Yanto Shrine in Cardiff Bay, uh, for those listeners who, who haven't seen it, still looks not dissimilar to that. It's PC now, Sergeant Sandy. Uh, he was always one of the best bits on Torch, <laughs> the original series. Mm. Which bit of Cardiff is this filmed in? It's, it seems like one of the back streets around just the other side of the railway lines from here, down in sort of Cateza. Um, whether it is, I'm not sure. I feel like I should recognise it, but I don't know where it is. I, I didn't really buy that line, the sort of doctors being worshipped. That sounded a bit... Yes, especially as the doctors are the first people to admit that they haven't the faintest idea what's going on. Tell you what, with this worldwide catastrophe, it'd be good if you're in the candle business. Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> candles are everywhere. Did we see Gwen's parents in Children of Earth? Uh, they were in um, Series 2. I don't think were they, they were in Series 3. Ah, right. Because this chap playing Gwen's father, who's lying in the hospital bed, uh, was... Killed in the pre-credit sequence by Margaret Slithine in Boomtown. Yes, um, <laughs> but is, is I, I, I can't place his name, but he's one of those Welsh jobbing actors who turns up in absolutely everything. If if you ever watch Welsh drama on television, <laughs> I think he's in Belonging with Eve Miles. In fact, mm. it's a fairly small pool of uh, Welsh-speaking yeah. <laughs> uh, actors, so they do tend to. Uh, crop up quite a lot. <laughs> he was in Twin Town with Reese Evans, who plays the lizard in the new um, Spider-Man movie. Also starring, what's his name? Who's the new Spider-Man? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Thank you. Who's in Daleks in Manhattan? Yes. In a in the smallest, most throwaway bit part imaginable. <laughs> oh, what a waste. 
and he was also in um, uh, Never Let Me Go with uh, Kerry Mulligan, also known as Sally Sparrow, and uh, what's her face, Uh, Elizabeth Swan, Keira Knightley. Ah, yes, that's true. Which has yet to turn up in Doctor Who. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I haven't um, seen... um, Never Let Me Go, but apparently it was trying desperately hard to pretend it wasn't science fiction. Yes. I'm trying desperately hard to keep a central twist secret, which I actually got from the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the art of trailer making these days is dead. Mm. Oh no, but I, I I think it was trying to keep a twist secret for people who'd never read any science fiction or dystopian literature ever in their lives. <laughs> so chat looks so like he's a yeah. student. <laughs> <laughs> Computer screens everywhere. It's like a larger room than most. He's still got he's still got the Torchwood's uh, desktop background there. With the wibbly wobbly blue lines oh, yeah. that are supposed to look vaguely oh, futuristic yeah. and alien. And the police are using Max. Hey that I'm sh- that I'm sure it doesn't I'm happen. sure Cardiff Constabulary don't have as much money as that. <laughs> It, it, it's nice the effort just to uh, think about the sort of global implications mm. um, uh, and just have have that sense of scale just trying to work out the effect. I mean... We must be in Cardiff. Looks like they've got daffodils in the There we are. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they do go into the whole um, sort of... Uh, religious aspect of it. Just I suspect they will because from the bits of um, uh, publicity they've released and from the, yeah. the coming later, coming soon trailer at the end of this there's a cult called the Soulless mm. yeah, which seems to tie into uh, well, at least some sort of spiritual view of the yeah. soul and the eternal aspects of, of uh, human life. Because it's interesting um because, I mean, in a way, you could uh, take the whole idea of the story all the way uh, back to um, uh, Genesis and Adam and Eve. They've uh, gained the knowledge of good and evil and then they're thrown out so they don't eat from the tree of life because if in their new condition of Mm. being sinful and evil and... Uh, the world being cursed, they lived forever. That would be a, a terrible thing to happen. Yeah, and there so is that. death is imposed as a limit on mm. their ability. And to so there's that um, mythic re- resonance. I mean, lots of different things that play with the idea of death, but all the way back to to that. So Russell D. Davis, for someone who you know still maintains, and perfectly honestly that he has no time or uh, belief in religion does keep coming back to it mm. and working it into his story. Yes. And he's also an excellent human dramatist, and I think some mm. of the strongest scenes in this, as we're seeing here, yeah, this are is... between Gwen and Reese. Just a family under stress. Mm. Nobody does that better than Russell T. Davis. Really. Proper drama. Yes. Marvellous! <laughs> Russell would say. God bless Russell T. Davies! One was just the fear and the potential and the. Yeah. 
Are we still... No, we're not still in the... We're in the hospital now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, overflowing hospital beds. Yeah. Hospital beds. That's it. <laughs> if their new chest was in, uh, in trouble before this. Because <laughs> yeah. the, the police station and the hospital seem... The corridors seem very similar for a moment there. I'd lost track of where we were. Oh, mm. um, the, the conversation with it... Um, when and uh, the PC guy, mm. uh, the world was going to go into chaos in four months. It's like, not really. The population's going to increase quite a bit, but it's not going to be what, that yes. bad. And they, they were well, terrible that we're going to run out of food. Well, doesn't matter. We're not going to starve to death. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be permanently hungry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, because, I mean, uh, you'd uh, reach, uh, I mean, at the rate you'd get to that size of population in around 10 months anyway. Mm. The surplus population over that amount of time isn't going to be mm. that great. Obviously, the whole not dying brings a whole load of other problems. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, the whole overpopulation thing seems a bit overstated. We're running now, out of resources. Now, they, they've both clearly got... Uh, Bad bruises from the fall mm. into the fountain the previous night. <laughs> I'm surprised Esther didn't um, contact the police about potential date rape. Yes, <laughs> I can't remember where I was last night and I've woken up with bruises down one side. <laughs> I'll just pretend that nothing's happening. Hmm. Yeah, that said, so, looks say odd. And here we are, all of the information that she went to that trouble to find in the archives, and there's somebody with a machine gun and a suicide belt there to try and take care of and yeah, Jack had retconned her and she's just handed the information as she walks into her desk at work makes the whole thing seem a bit pointless and here's, here's Rex sort of trying to run his case from his hospital yes. bed which he takes to ridiculous lengths in just a moment yes. Now, this is the point at which the chap who plays Rex, and I, again, I can't remember the actor's name, shame on me. Uh, Mecky Pfeiffer? Mecky, oh, is that Mecky Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer? Um, appears to be acting in a slightly different episode to everyone else, because he seems to be playing it strictly for laughs from this point in. Which is great, and I'm not complaining at all, because um, if something is genuinely funny, then that covers a multitude of sins, which is one of the reasons why I don't mind Spider-Man 3 as much as an awful lot of other people. <laughs> yes, I did just say that. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it. Because Spider-Man 3, not the best film by any means, but genuinely funny, so it uh, kept me entertained. So despite the awful helicopter chase sequence that's coming up, despite the dodgy Welsh geography... Despite the questionable jumps in time, Rex is never less than entertaining all the way through it. Yes, this, 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 is, this is very funny. I mean, I, I wasn't quite sure how to take this because uh, he had... Um, it, I wasn't entirely clear whether it's meant to be funny or whether he's meant to be badass in a serious way mm. uh, and it's just unintentionally funny. Um, yeah, it just felt slightly uncertain uh, tonally. There's, there's also the fact that there seems to be almost no point to him going to Wales in the first place. It, it, it seems quite a slight 
I, I mean, uh, yes, okay, interesting torture at the same time as the miracle uh, happened, uh, but you'd think you might want to investigate a little bit more before jumping on the first plane. Yes. And then using, basically, I am the CIA as a doctor uses psychic paper. Basically, <laughs> basically you could do anything. Yes. Apart from taking a gun onto a plane. At that point, I didn't realise it was a taxi until the last shot. I was like, he's stealing a car. Surely <laughs> <laughs> the CIA can't just do that, people leave. <laughs> CIA, I'm requisitioning your vehicle. <laughs> No reason, I just like the look of it. Well, what was this woman? Is she is no, cleaner not, or, or what? Sure. I'm not is, is she part of CIA? Is she supposed to be giving him a passport? And is she a sort of CIA agent? Yeah, I... Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. Get that. the impression that this is supposed to be his maid and he's had her pick up. Yeah, that's right. I but that yeah. I've only got that on a second viewing. I thought that the first time, like, but I was a little yeah. unclear. And he still seems to be chewing on the same medication. <laughs> got a lot of it. They do manage to track down Gwen remarkably quickly. Yeah, <laughs> good for lying low. Oh, the technical point with, tele- with, with uh, mobile phones and aeroplanes, did it actually make any difference? Because Well, well yes. this is the point raised in the pilot of The West Wing, uh, <laughs> right. because you have Toby Ziegler who's on the phone and he's uh, saying, you're not telling me that with all your technology I can bring this plane down just by having my phone <laughs> No, but there, there was a report on BBC News oh, about a week ago. Um, pilots have logged, I can't remember how many, Incidents of just instrument not malfunction, but problems with instruments and communications with the ground, and they think that an awful lot of them were down to things like mobile phone signals or electronic equipment being used on board. Well, because I'm quite dubious because because they because they used it in hospitals, and the only way actually interfere with them with the machines to an hospital is if you put it on it, and there's only a slight deviation. That, it's, it's gone over the seven bridge. <laughs> this yes. is funny. Just that. Uh, what well, is this bridge? What's this bridge? It's like America. It's What's Wales, going on? It's Wales separate like New, New Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> what? <laughs> How on earth do you draw a parallel between Wales and New Jersey? Unless you end up in Newport. <laughs> in which case, yes. Although <laughs> well, the population in Peter New comes Jersey, from Newport. He can make these jokes with I can. all justification. I was going to say, if, if, if Cardiff has a, a rift in the fabric of space and time, Newport is basically just a black hole. <laughs> I love the fact what, what I find funny here is that if he was driving from this direction at this point, he'd have happened, had, had to have driven up the Worm's Head Peninsula from in the sea. <laughs> yes, he also seems to have just fallen straight off the end of the Seven Bridge on, you know, into... Yeah. Midwest Wales. And I love the fact he complains about having to pay for the bridge. Yes, like Americans have toll roads. You've got oh. turnpikes. Although, Why? I'm not entirely sure if they pay for the bridges. No, but... No, no, yes, but so the right general idea, toll yeah. should not come as a huge shock to... Oh, here we go. An American. Set free rather quickly. But then, it has been a while since we've seen him. He has been mm. uh, out of the, the storyline for quite some time. 
these characters. Yeah, big crowds of <laughs> angry people. And he just smiles. So you're on the witness protection scheme. You've got yourself your isolated farmhouse. You've got your cupboard full of ammunition. And you've obviously worked out a routine with your husband that if the doorbell rings unexpectedly, you take up positions. And if, if somebody actually does just turn up, you tie him to the radiator with a length of twine. <laughs> really, Gwen, you haven't thought this through properly, have you? <laughs> <laughs> He's obsessed about the bridge. Don't worry about going the other direction. It's free. They <laughs> let you out for nothing. And if it's any cons- any consolation, which probably won't be actually, all the money goes to France. <laughs> Does it? It's a French company that owns both seven bridges. Yeah. Oh no! And here we have the helicopter. Oh, the, no. the subtle approach to attacking your quarry. And then the baby seems remarkably uh, rocket propelled grenade. Happy <laughs> as babies are. Now I thought this was hilarious. He has one rocket propelled grenade, yes. which he fires through the windows and explodes behind the house. <laughs> yeah, he didn't put any more. Just, this in. is hilarious. I, just the baby with the earmuffs. Yeah. The earmuffs. And then the baby like, is smiling. Like, baby smiles. Hey! Oh, what's that? It is also some dreadful green screen backgrounds in this sequence. I saw a, a back, it wasn't a green screen, I was watching a Bergman film earlier today and I had a back screen helicopter and it looked slightly better than this. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Captain Jack to the rescue. Uh, Stirring music. Ta da! And now at this point. Yeah. Oh, this is quite a nice reveal as to yes, it was Jack stealing his phone. But again, pointless. Why? Why does he have to be sitting next to him on this plane? Why does he have to take his phone? Well, <laughs> that's how he. And why is the helicopter having trouble keeping up with a car? You're a helicopter. And why are you flying ten feet below the yeah, above the ground where they can shoot back at you? Did you only bring... <laughs> you, you pointed out they only appear to have brought one rocket-propelled grenade with them. Yeah, that was um, ever so slightly odd. I did, yeah. As action sequences go, how do you miss from there? This, this didn't impress me particularly. For once, I'm thinking they should have got Michael Bay in. <laughs> yes. For, for a day to shoot this sequence. Mm. We wouldn't know what was going on. But more things would explode. Oh, yes. I mean, no, no, no matter what you might say about Michael Bay films as a whole, in terms of visual action, oh, yeah. he's a master. Uh, the, the, <laughs> this was just funny. Oh, this was dreadful. It's kind of reminded me of I didn't mind it. It was very silly, but. Hugely silly. It's reminded me of kind of a combination of like one of the Rambo films. And the prisoner, just because he's on a beach. <laughs> in and Wales. Is, yeah, in Wales. You're expecting the rover to appear to kind of suffocate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's what I wanted. 
had uh, had a few barbecues on that beach, not with such a big fire. Now, this also, I thought, was quite silly. Oh, we've got to hide, we can't be out and open, so we'll go somewhere really inconspicuous. <laughs> the old old person yes. down in the bay in Cardiff. The site, the site of Torchwood's last secret base. <laughs> They'll never think to look for us here. <laughs> that place we used to work. Jackery. Reiterates the fact he's cut himself. Mm. <laughs> now, again, I do like the interplay that they've fallen into straight away that Gwen is pleased to see Jack back and uh, Reese clearly isn't. Mm. And again, but, uh, I didn't mention the interplay between Gwen, Reese, and Sergeant Andy when they were together there, and Andy obviously still has, you know, carrying a bit of a torch for Gwen. No. <laughs> Nobody thought to, you know, tie up the CIA agent or wreck on him. I, I, I like the idea with this, is, is playing on the whole, which is reasonably current, although not as much as what's the whole kind of uh, extradition of yeah. the UK suspects to America, which mm. seems to be somewhat of a uh, unequal agreement. In, yes. in regards to British subjects going to the yeah, States. Sure. Although, wasn't there that teenage hacker from North Wales who managed to get into the Pentagon computers that they refused to extradite? I'm not entirely sure. I think that's still did, going. Did they send him out? I'm not sure. So if they go to America... I, I think they don't actually show off the bay that well here. No. Just, you never really get a sense of the scale of the place. You never actually see the water tower properly, do you? No. You just get an awful lot of head down shots of concrete. Mm. And now we have the sort of three minute this season trailer. Yes. Which I don't think did a particularly effective or concise job of no. pitching the rest of the season. Kind of reiterated a few major points we already knew, like this one. Yeah. Um, although, again, though, with the whole medical stuff, it gave me a very much a flash forward drive. Jai. Well, uh, one of the writers they've got, this um, one is one of the writers from House, uh, 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 I think, for episode two. So that's very much a Romero zombie style um, shot of the severed arm still alive. Mm. And there in the background we see Sierra from uh, Dollhouse. <laughs> I did and again, Rex trying That was a good line. That looks very much like the scene where Yanto drives the JCB through various gates in the middle of Earth. What's that? I've s- this guy? The fat yeah, guy? Yes. Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park. That's where he's from. I don't recognise him. many other things. He turns up and he's like third rock from the sun. He, 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 again, he's quite a prolific actor. Overflow camps. I mean, uh, uh, not at all subtle uh, difference from, say, concentration camps. <laughs> this, uh, this looks quite... Um, Effective, just the whole yeah. crowds with the mask. Although it does visually, it does seem to be ripped off from V for Vendetta. Yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. If you are going to steal, steal from the best. Alan Moore's always a <laughs> good source. 
Yeah. She looks like uh, the lady from Mad Men, I'm sure she's not. Again, just going on the flash forward parallels again, the Solvers seem to be very similar to some of those who know they're going to die on the flash forward date, oh. in the way in which they, they kind of go around and acting. He, one of the main characters in, in, ends up being flash forward, ends up being this motivational speaker. And I'm not saying it's the same. He looks a little bit like Richard Dawkins there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's yeah. this? Hey, you're taking child abuse to a whole new level. It's the hair, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure that's not at all to live. <laughs> Obviously, now he's, he's looking far more like the Bill Pullman of old. He's looking like the, uh, mm. the, the smart, fresh-faced young person. Oh, also, oh, here we go. What we, what we all remember Torchwood for? The set. This, what we all know Torchwood and Stars, the network for. <laughs> their other big show is um, Spartacus Blood and Sand. Which is, <laughs> oh, right. Which uh, has a reputation. Uh, that did look like. Um, got a shot there of something that looked like it might be alien technology. Mm. So I'm hoping there'll be some alien thing behind yeah. it all. I'm assuming it's uh, it's almost inevitable, but they are again they are keeping the whole alien influence thing low key. On, yeah, on the on the down low. It seems to be that it was some kind of private security uh, or private defence system thing. I've gleaned from that anyway. Who are kind of behind the constant the overflow gaps. Yeah, and Flying Corp seemed to be. Uh, yeah. Again, same thing with Flash Forward. They had like a ro- like a private defence contractor of being one of the major enemies mm. in that. Okay. And interestingly, the, one of the things that impressed me about the pilot of Fast Forward, and I didn't see much beyond that, uh, is that they asked the obvious questions, and the questions that they knew the viewer would be asking right up front, mm. which they've been doing with this, and Rex has already said, once this is solved, does this mean that I'm going to die? Mm. So, uh, yeah. But I, I, th- I think this, this feels slightly edgier than Fast Forward. Fast Forward... Flash forward, sorry. Um, I didn't. It was great. I didn't persist with simply because I got the impression that having set it up, it was going to be like Lost, a terribly laborious plod. It was through the mystery towards finding out what was actually going to happen. There were a few decent characters, but you knew it made no sense mm. from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but it's going anyway. So, what, what do we think of the of this second time round? Um. I haven't I, again. I haven't changed my opinion massively. I, it, it's a solid opener. I enjoyed it. I like the slightly different slant that they put on it. The the American perspective um, and making it more of a uh, an espionage mystery with a a high concept twist. Mm. Um, as Caleb said, there are slightly uneven sequences. The bits in Wales, I felt plodded a little bit, and I didn't like the helicopter chase sequence particularly. But uh, no, I mean now all the pieces are in place. The story will be up and running, and I'm very much looking forward to the rest of this series. Yeah, I'd I'd say that uh, I did enjoy it, even the helicopter sequence, which uh, yes, it was silly, but um, uh, I I think um, this this did feel a bit uh, a bit more of a slightly dafter action type. American show than Children of Earth. It seemed to 
lose a few points off its IQ, uh, but uh, it was it still got enough uh, going on thematically and with the characters that is really interesting, uh, and it's uh, probably just a bit more fun for uh, some of the Dafter stuff, so that uh, as long as they do do something intelligent with it, uh, I'm prepared to uh, sort of... Uh, give it a bit of a pass on some of the lapses in mm. logic where you've yes. got exploding helicopters and things. <laughs> oh, as I said, it's, it's never less than entertaining. Yeah. So That's true. Um, on second review, I thought it was a little slower than I remembered it the first time round. It seems to take its... second time round, it seems to take its, more of its time to get through the setup. Mm. Now, I don't know, looking... I'd have to look at it again to see whether or not you could have cut various sequences. There's nothing that readily came to mind. Maybe some of the dialogue sequences were possibly a little too long, but it, it did seem a little mm. plodding in part. It starts strongly, but lapses a bit in the middle, I think. Yeah, it? definitely. Now, the interesting thing, though, with this is, in the second episode, are they going, on the episodes thereafter, are they going to concentrate on a certain thread mm. of, a, of, a, of a plotline and do that per episode? and then jump to a different one, or maybe two, or are they going to consistently attempt to weave all of them in all of the episodes? If they attempt mm. to, I think they will fail. Well, apparently, um, one of the reasons why this series is a little unusual, particularly for an American production, is that they had to have almost all the scripts written in at least first or second draft form before they started um, filming because there are there are certain scenes in almost every single episode that take place in Wales. Mm-hmm. And so they had to have... Which they had to film in one big block, of course. Yeah. Um, so they had to have all of the scripts ready. So I'm assuming it's we're going to have multiple threads per episode. Now, they might be able to refine those down, and I suspect as the things progress, they'll get a better handle on them. Because mm-hmm. um, an awful lot, as Caleb said earlier on, an awful lot of this episode was manoeuvring all your pieces into place and getting everyone in the right country and mm. just establishing what's happening and who you know, who all the characters are. And now that we've got that, I suspect the pace will pick up. No, it was just that well, it might end up having hero syndrome, which was doing a little bit of a, of a lots of stories per episode, mm, yes. rather than actually going, hey, we know those other people exist, let's just focus on one story for an episode or mm. two, and then let's do somebody else well. Yeah. So that I, I hope they will try and trim the threads down per episode to do them properly. Some some of the very very early um, publicity and interview material mentioned that uh, the team were going to end up travelling to Shanghai. Whether that's still the case, I don't know. Trying to get a Chinese audience now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was going to be a proper official, you know, globe trotting, right. very wide ranging. They're going to go to various places in the United States. They're going to go to London. They're going to go to Cardiff. And uh, I think it's Shanghai or Beijing. Some some are in China. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, it, it certainly looks looks promising, and yeah, and um, I think it's one of those ideas where uh, you can see lots of just dramatic possibilities with the setup. So mm. it's just hoping that they fulfil the potential of their premise. Um, uh, yeah, so we'll be tuning in next week. Oh, we will, indeed. Well, thank you for listening. We'd love to hear what you think. Please 
leave a comment on the blog or email us or Twitter, Facebook, all the usual ways of getting in touch. Google Plus as well now, so it's if uh, you've managed to uh, get in on that. Looking pretty quiet at the moment, it is on field trial. I uh, don't know whether that one's going to catch on, but uh, you can find us on there as well. So, uh, yeah, please join in. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening! <laughs>